many of you are glad to be alive? Glad to be in the house of God, amen. Be in the presence of God. And uh, so great uh, to spend this, as we've already noted, this last Sunday of the year, last Sunday of the decade, and uh, just really, really excited about what God's doing in your life and in our life. I want to welcome you and just greet you today on behalf of Bishop and Pastor Kathy. I was talking with them this weekend, and they just wanted us to send their love to you. They're praying for us this morning, probably watching online. Uh, they're taking a, a few days away with their family, and uh, so just blessing them, letting them get rested, refreshed, and uh, we are really full of expectation about the start of the new year, and um, I think it's, uh, it's really important for us to uh, just really open our ears uh, individually and together as a corporate body uh, to just do our best to hear uh, what God's saying to us as we step into a new year, a new season, a new decade. And so we're really excited about what's going to begin to unfold for us starting next Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of the year. And so I want you to make sure you mark your calendars, make sure you're here. Uh, Bishop's going to be uh, opening up uh, some things that we're going to be doing in the month of January. Uh, we're going to put some things in you guys' hands as individuals and as families. And what, a couple of things that we've just felt resonate in our heart about what God's saying. Uh, it's not unusual for us uh, to begin the year. Lots of people begin the year uh, with a time of just seeking God. Uh, but we're going to uh, really make an emphasis to each one of us commit to say that uh, in 2020 and at the start of the decade, we as a people at the Gate Church, we're going to pray first. Everybody say pray first. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, I'm not going to preach or teach on prayer too much uh, today, but it's a funny thing how Christians are about prayer, isn't it? We like to talk about prayer. We like to ask for prayer. We like to promise that we're going to pray. The only thing we don't do very much of, I'm just talking to myself, amen, letting you listen. So, don't, uh, but as a church, we feel it's very important. And so in the, in the, in the first weeks of January, we're going to put some things in your hand as families. We want uh, your children to be involved in this. We want your whole family to be involved in this, your husband, your wife, everybody come together. We're going to have set times uh, at, uh, during a week in January where we're just uh, connecting. And then we're going to have a special uh, service in January we'll be telling you about where we're going to pray uh, together as a church family. And we believe as we do that, we're going to hear what God's saying. You're going to hear what God's saying. How many of you know uh, that you can't walk into anything fruitful unless you first hear what what God's saying. You know, we can talk about obeying, but you can't obey until you hear. Amen? And so prayer is that place that we begin to hear what God's saying. And so uh, we believe uh, the, the 20s, the 1920s, uh, were known 100 years ago as a decade called the Roaring Twenties. And one of the things that God's just dropped in our heart that really resonated, there's people in, uh, across the nation uh, that are emphasizing prayer and fasting. And, but we just believe that God is going to allow the gate church to roar in the spirit as we launch the 20s. And I don't care what your 2019 was or how it's ended or where you feel like you're at, but if you can begin to hear the roar of the spirit, then everything can change in your life. Can you say amen to that? 
And so I want you just to really prepare for January, really prepare your hearts. And uh, I know Bishop's heart is full of expectancy and looking forward to that time uh, together with us. I'm going to share something that the Lord really just put in my heart. I want you to get your Bibles and uh, turn uh, with me to Matthew chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I believe that... uh, What I want to talk about will just hopefully help. It's helped me, and I hope that it helps position all of us uh, into a better place uh, as we get ready to embrace uh, the big things that God wants to do in our lives in the coming uh, year. And so we're going to look at a couple of verses of Scripture, and then I just want to uh, really just want to take some time today to teach and uh, equip put some things in your life and in your hands um, that I believe will just hopefully uh, prepare you and equip you for uh, the age that we're living in and what we're stepping into. So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 13, this is a part of the Lord's Prayer. It's one of the things that we'll focus on in January, Uh, but I just want to lift a couple of phrases out of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. And in verse number 13, he said, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Usually we stop reading right there, but I want to keep reading. And it says, for if you forgive men their offenses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. If you forgive men their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. One way to understand that is to say the degree that I'm willing to release forgiveness opens the door in my heart to the degree that I can receive forgiveness. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For in, if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. We'll dip into those, the context of both of those verses. But what I want to share with you uh, is just from this subject, overcoming in an age of outrage. Overcoming in an age of outrage. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for bringing us together. We know that before we got here, you purposed to meet with us. So, Lord, we want to open our hearts, our spirits, our ears to hear from you. Pray, Lord, that you would speak and teach uh, clearly. Just let revelation come to your people. Uh, We truly want to walk with you. Uh, We want to be in step with what you're doing as we begin a new year. And so, Lord, our hearts are hungry today. Would you just pray right there in your own way and just say, Lord, I'm hungry to hear from you. Lord, we're hungering, we're thirsting for you, and we ask you to speak to us today, Lord. We need you to do it. I give myself to you. 
to that end and to that purpose today. And I ask you to anoint what we say and anoint our ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Learning how to overcome in an age of outrage. The prophetic task of the church in every generation is not only to critique the spirit of the age, but also to imagine and demonstrate alternative ways of living. A church that only critiques and never demonstrates has no credibility to speak with authority into the issues of its day. A church that only critiques, or maybe make that personal, the prophetic task of every individual believer is not only to critique what's going on around you, but it's also to imagine and demonstrate an alternative, what we call a kingdom way of living. And an individual believer who only critiques and never demonstrates has no authority or no credibility to speak into the issues that are swirling around them. How many of you know it's easy to point out everything that's wrong about what's going on around us? And God had never called his people just to be the kind of people who could simply say, well, this is wrong with that, and that is wrong with this, and this needs to be different. But God had always called his people to, uh, yes, at times, call out what's wrong, but more importantly, to be the kind of people who demonstrate something different, who demonstrate another world, who demonstrate another reality, who demonstrate another way of living. One of the things that is a, is a core principle at the Gate Church is we don't just want to proclaim the good news, we want to demonstrate the good news. Can you say amen to that? And when I say the Gate Church wants to do that, what I mean by that is that we want you to do that. Amen. How many of you know that doesn't just fall on bishop, doesn't just fall on a pastor, a leader. It falls on all of us as a people to say, I'm going to hear what God is saying so that I can uh, move beyond just critiquing, move beyond just criticizing, move beyond just calling out and move into demonstrating so that my life becomes a witness. My life becomes something of a mystery to the world around me. My life becomes mysterious. How many of you know you have a mysterious God? And you have a mysterious God, he's he's beyond understanding. Well, if you have a mysterious God who's beyond understanding, then you ought to be living a life that is beyond understanding. That means the story of your life ought to not just make mathematical sense to everybody who hears it. There ought to be a dimension of your life story that says that shouldn't have happened that way to that person. Something supernatural got involved in their life. There's a supernatural element to the equation that leads to the story of my life. And the reason uh, that that happens is because we become willing to be people who move beyond and say, I want to demonstrate another way of living. In the New Testament, uh, that God through His Spirit is calling His people to become the kind of people who demonstrate an alternate reality to the world around them. 
the one characteristic of, uh, of the age that we live in, of the times that we live in, the Bible says that we ought to be people who understand our times and know what to do. And so uh, it's, it's not just enough to observe a bunch of stuff, but we ought to understand what's going on in our times. And one of the things that is very common in our times is that people are just very reactionary. They're very, uh, out, it's, it's an outrageous time. The word outrageous uh, literally means uh, just to be raged out. You say that's outrageous. And so uh, we live in a moment. And so uh, my question is, what is the call to people who are full of the Spirit of God What kind of a witness do we need to bear in that kind of a time? It's getting quiet. I'm losing my amens one by one, but I'm going to keep on going this morning. You doing okay? And so uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and Jesus is writing to, uh, he's, he's teaching his disciples how to prayer, and they both are warning, watch this, people who are Christians, People who are churchgoers, people who are followers of Jesus, and they feel it necessary or important to let them know that there are devices, there are traps, there are strategies set by an enemy of ours that we can fall into. Now, I find it interesting that most of the time in the New Testament, when Satan is mentioned, He is mentioned in the context and it is warning people who are professing Christians, followers of Jesus. But when Satan is mentioned in the church, he always gets assigned outside the church. So when we read about him in the New Testament, it's telling people who call themselves Christians, watch out for this, watch out for that, this is how he operates. But when we live in Christian life, we say Satan belongs out there in the world, he's got all those people deceived, he's got all those people entrapped, he's got all those people messed up, he's got all those people, and I wonder if he's actually pulled quite a stunt by getting us to assign all of his activity outside the world rather than first Asking ourselves, has he found his way in somehow into my way of thinking? I'm just reading the Bible, and the Bible is always telling Christians to watch out. And every now and then, it just casually mentions that people who haven't found God in Christ yet, they too are under the deceptive power of of the God of this age or something like that. But the other times, it's just basically saying, hey, you people who are worshiping God, who are walking with God, you can also. And so let me give you a couple illustrations of simply how how that can happen. So Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you forgive people, then you will be forgiven by your Father in heaven. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says, hey, I know you guys had a little, a little uh, snafu there in your relational network, in your church, and you got a little issue with this guy going on, and I just want to write to you guys. I want to let you know, 2 Corinthians 2, if you guys forgive him, I forgive him, because here's what I'm concerned about. If we don't get this right, then we're going to get distracted. We're going to get entangled by one of the devices of Satan, and we don't want to be ignorant of his schemes. So what's the common thread here? The common thread is that people who don't actively move into a a passionate forgiveness become susceptible to the prey of getting entrapped in 